Garrett, did you ever go to? Oh man, this is gonna this is gonna enrapture the audience when I tell you this. Keyword rapture. Uh, you ever go to vacation Bible school? Yes. VBS. VBS, baby. What was? Tell me, tell me some of the the great fun activities that you remember from VBS. Uh, I think there was a water slide. We did some uh, stencils. Um, I remember one one year got really wild. One of the uh, one of the speakers did a little stunt where he was a clown and he was really trying to go to heaven. And so he strapped a bunch of balloons onto the back of a lawn chair, hoping it would take <laughs> him up to heaven. Um, That's it, up. That's the plot of up. Yeah, That's the plot. Yeah. Garrett, yeah, did no, you just they, watch Up? They no, I, I leaked that to to Pixar though, and unfortunately, Brother Bob didn't get any of the rights for that. So sorry about that, Brother Bob. But he didn't make it to heaven because you know there's only one way to heaven, and uh, we're gonna learn about it today. I, did I did he die? I mean, if how high up was he? I don't imagine. Uh, so they did a cool stunt at the church. They had him attached to some ropes. <laughs> Um, and they, they actually lifted this chair up to the, I, 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 as a child, you know, I was like, what? Oh my God. Arrested development could have happened. I remember, yeah, I remember him being, he was probably maybe, maybe two stories up. Um, but I remember him being, you know, miles up in the sky. Now this, this was a rig that they had, I doubt any of the people at your VBS group were like professional riggers or like stuntmen. (laughs) Like this man could have seriously gotten hurt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If he, of course if he not. Had, if he had fallen, he uh, if he's protected by God, you know, and right. he and he was sixty. Well, he wasn't. That's the thing, Jeff. He was trying to get to heaven on works alone, and that work was strapping some balloons onto the back of the lawn chair. <laughs> it's hard work. That's backbreaking labor. You know how much a balloon weighs? Almost nothing. Almost nothing. (laughs) Negative weight. So it sounds like you had a lot of fun at VBS. Well, let me tell you, Mr. Fun Haver, how would you feel if they brought out what we're getting ready to play today, which is the Mansions of Happiness? I can tell you, I I might have a better chance at getting into heaven, but I think there's a significantly lower chance that I'd be here with you boys today making making games, doing podcasts, and, uh, you know, gambling and... And uh, you know, breaking Sin the Sabbath. Not, we are not we're not gambling because we didn't use dice for this game. We're breaking the we Sabbath. I should say. We, we we do record on Sundays. We are breaking the Sabbath. Yeah. Oh man, it is it is going to be well when you love what you work. Is it really work? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Passion play. And if that work is gambling, uh, well, if, is you, it really if work? you if you are experiencing passion, you must then return to the water to cool off. So. Oh God. Oh, oh God. No. We, okay. We certainly wouldn't be here today. All right. Well, well, I'm glad that we're here today with you, the listener. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Roll and Move, the Internet's podcast that takes a look at some of the weirder, odder, more horrible board games out there. We play them for you. We break them down. We see what makes them work, what makes them not work. I am your first co-host and one of the creators of Rough Draft Games, Thomas Schungerberg. And with me here, as always, is... Gary Lively. Succinct. I like it. Very, <laughs> very brief, concise. I like it. I like that. Also, this is Jeff Lee. Um, I, I thought Sabbath was the whole week. It you've is. Been, you've been doing nothing. I've just week. been. Yeah, I just figured this is what God wants. <laughs> I'm just hanging out. Hey, man. Me too. I I got these. I post these job applications for this company called Kirby. You know, and I do that like maybe once a month, and then I just don't show up to the interview, and uh, I'm able to stay home all week too. It's pretty cool. 
Just raking in that unemployment, baby. There it is. More board games for me. Well, we we are very excited because uh, we're we're talking about this is a little bit. This is going to be a bit of a historic episode today. Uh, I didn't know that board games were published this early, so I was actually quite taken aback when uh, when was it one of you boys? Told you called me BS. The, uh, you called shenanigans. I said no way they had cardboard back then, but apparently. <laughs> They didn't. Apparently, um, I also looked this up too. The instructions were filed in the Library of Congress in like the 1840s. Makes something sense. Like that. Uh, so this is this this is the oldest board game published in North America. Commercially published, we should. Commercially say. published. There could have been I don't know some board farmer <laughs> was probably desperate to keep his kids busy, and he probably drew like a tic tac toe board in the sand or something. You're right. But this is like published with ink and it actually has like art and that sort of stuff. And I imagine perhaps it even came with not dice, but totems. Teetotems. Teetotems. Excuse me. That's okay. Uh, this board game is called what, Garrett? This is the Mansion of Happiness uh, and subtitle, very important, an instructive moral and entertaining amusement. You get to learn while. When we've had board games like this, where you learn while you play, mm-hmm. it's a moral tool. We played some variations of this. I'd have to bring up the, the goodbye game. List. Goodbye so game is a good, game. good example. Yeah. We had Buck, Buck Quest, I think. Uh, All those games are about death in one way or the other. The fishing yeah. game, the fishing hut. I don't remember what it was called. Right. We've had, a, we've had many instructors. Pimps and Hoes. Yeah, infotainment games. How to how to how to mac on your lady and still get your cut. You know, it's it's all important lessons for every everyday life. So today we're going to be playing this game. Let's let's dig it a little bit into the history of this. So this is coming out right smack dab. I think in the early. I was gonna say in the middle, but do you guys know when the industrial revolution like really kicked off? Mm, no, I think there's. <laughs> In the U.S. or there's there's if we're getting printing right, if we're getting printing, and it looks like this is actually printed on, you know, we we have full on designs. We got the press, the press is going. This came out in 1843. I think we're at the beginning portion of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, According to Britannica, the Industrial Revolution, uh, you know, was give me a date here. So that's uh, there we go. It's just it's an idea. The first one was 1716. (laughs) 1760 to 1830 uh, in Britain. Yeah, in Britain, right? Yeah, there was two. Right. Well, so it's probably getting rolling in the United States then. Right. But right. the, so this actually was originally published in England in 1800. Oh. Yeah. Well, there you go. That would be smack dab in the middle of the smack industrial dab. revolution. And that makes sense too. You know, you think back of the industrial revolution, there's a lot of smog in the air. People are really working hard in those factories trying to, Trying to make ends meet, trying to make things happen, trying and to make meet ends. One of the one of the nice things that you could do is you want to make sure that you you got something you're living for. I imagine you're going there and you're getting covered with uh, with grease, and your buddies are falling into the gears, and they're just being ground up. You know, you want to all all, all while you're just churning out uh you're churning out some sausages, textiles, and sausages at an alarming rate. Uh, you're going to need something that's going Railroad to be tiles. Keep, keep the morale up. Keep the morale up. You have to make sure that it's up at serviceable levels. Otherwise, 
Otherwise, you're gonna be, you get dragged down. I don't so think this, I don't think if my friend died in the in the factory. My morale would go down. I would just blame him. You would just blame him. <laughs> I mean, and like now he, you got even more sausages to carry out. He wasn't truck. he wasn't pious enough. It's his fault. Yeah, <laughs> he thought he thought he was so hoity toity. He was very uh, egotistical when he walked out there with his his fresh new uh, his fresh new shoes. I don't know. I don't know. Did they have? They they, have nice shoes their now. feet. He was bragging. He was bragging. Why well, some of them did not have shoes, <laughs> exactly. Factors. They didn't need shoes. Uh, he was bragging about, hey, look at this. Look at these new shoes that I got. They actually have shoelaces. I'm so proud. And then that gets caught in a gear and he gets dragged right in. It was his own fault. I'm with you, Jeff. But that's exactly why you need this game, because all throughout this game you are learning about the general Protestant, uh, or generally considered Protestant. Uh, virtues that will get you into the mansions of happiness, the mansions of glory, which should be heaven. Helps you lead a wonderful life here. And this is your basic roll and move, right? It's, it's, you're going around, you spin your top. You could not roll dice for this game because those were seen as... The bones of the devil. Those were the... bones of the devil. (laughs) Bones of a devil uh, known for... Gambling on Christ's loincloths, uh, known for you know gambling in casinos. That's what the Romans taking did. Wagers. They used dice to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, to gamble on that stuff. And so the Protestants were like, well, that we can't do that. So we're just going to have to get a top that you spin. It's like a dreidel uh, with yeah. with normal numbers on it. <laughs> with one through six. You know? with, with normal <laughs> numbers on it? Thank goodness. The method of roll is very different. but Right. Essentially so, the same thing. We have we, we we have this, and you're moving around the map. You're going from space to space to space. If you've seen a board like Candyland, you know exactly what you're looking at here. This one sort of works in more of a... It's just the pattern is in a spiral. But you have these lovely, these lovely lessons, these lovely spaces that you can land on that have... Some of them have virtuous characteristics, mm-hmm. which are a good thing because that can move you further towards the end of the game, which would put you closer towards the mansions of happiness, true happiness attained through these righteous uh, efforts of work and these moralistic pursuits. Or... Or there's also a couple of couple of drawbacks. Mm. You could you could land on the perjury space. Temptation. Or you, you're a liar. You could land on the space for what was another one of those? Cheating. Cheating. Uh, passion. Can't cheat. Road to uh, folly. You just think about being bad. Yeah. Yep. Breaking Sabbath Cruelty. breaker. <laughs> and when you land on these spaces, the punishment is usually you have to move back, but. There's also an additional stipulation in the rules here. Like, what was the... You told me I couldn't think... What was the uh, exact line, Garrett, about happiness? Yeah, so once you moved, you know, let's say you landed on uh, cruelty, you must return to your former situation till your turn comes to spin again and not even think, emphasized, think of happiness, (laughs) much less partake in it. So no happiness to be found if you, you know, imagine, you know, seven-year-old kids when they don't get their way in a board game, they're like off pouting because they had to move back three spaces. That's what this game wants you to feel if you have to move back. Don't even think about winning. Yeah. No happiness, no joy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you know what you did wrong. You spun incorrectly. Uh, You've been tempted with the fruits of the devil and you have partaken in them and, you know. You're not. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to move back some spaces and not think about it. You gotta pay the price. You gotta pay the price. 
So, and the price is you could be tied to the whipping post in this game, right? Mm-hmm. You could sometimes you're it's, you're not just sent backwards. Sometimes you are sent to a punishment place. You could be tied. You could be put up in the stocks. You know those goofy <laughs> medieval medieval wooden cages that they put people in. You know where their hands are poking out, and then people can walk up and just kick them right in the keister. That's gonna be you because you couldn't resist uh, working on the Sabbath, and now you're gonna pay the price. But that's that's the long and short of this game. There's a couple there's a couple of mechanics here. <clears throat> let's just go ahead and open the box, I, I think, right? Since we're talking yeah. about what the game looks like, let's open this box. Hang on, blow off that dust for me real quick, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's everywhere. I got up my nose. Oh man. Uh so we have a uh we have a wonderful little I, I actually think the art is quite nice on this box yeah it's a, so it's a period so it's funny, of time piece yeah what's funny you said you didn't think cardboard was around uh tom and you're actually right this was originally printed on silk and they just kind of Ooh. did a, a hard cover that you would open up this hardcover thing see you later lay, wingspan lay the silk mm-hmm. down yeah so I, i'm not sure when they eventually transitioned I, I think when they brought it over to america so it was 1800 when they were doing it in britain 1843 when they started producing it in america and i think that is when um they put it on uh, a hard, a hard like cardboard, like a uh, bifold. Would it be like a wooden sheet or something like that. Like no, no, wooden... I, I just think originally it was on silk, and then once it was starting to get produced in America, probably easier print mm-hmm. on silk, right? Mm-hmm. Plus, like cardboard is like it sounds like it's kind of wasteful because it's like extra wood. Like, what extra wood do they have at the time? <laughs> Um, but it was a that was the first folding game board that I am aware of. Um, it had a little cardboard pocket, and you could pull the silk thing out. And um, one other thing of note that I think is interesting uh, bef- from the history of this, before we jump into the opening of the box here, uh, before we explain the opening of the box here, is that uh, the <laughs> the place where this was first published in the U.S. Uh, Salem, Salem, Massachusetts. Ah, yes, nice. of course. A scant 150 years after the witch trials. Um, of course. They, they were looking, you know, it had been a while since they had lynched uh, some people, so it was time to... Things changed slow. It was, it, was, it was time to instill some some virtues back into the people of Salem. So this is... this is Now, there were, I will say, for their credit, there were no... There was no space you could land on where you would be crushed with a giant millstone. Uh, so no death spaces, just just a little capital just a little punishment. whipping, a little paddling, public, you know, a little switch humiliation. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So, anyways, it, the board you open it up. You, you said great art throughout. Uh, this is you know obviously original art. They weren't taking stills or photos. During the 1800s, Shutterstock for, for, for board games. <laughs> uh, you've got your track kind of in a spiral, uh, you know, route you're taking to the center of the board. Um, most of the spaces have a little, you know, original artwork for whatever it's depicting, um, whether it's the pillory or the stocks or prison. You got some original, um, very you know, red, blue, yellow, or prominent. There's a, a a bit of gr- there's a lot of green on the board, and most of that are the empty spaces, the spaces that don't really trigger anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got a, a, a nice set of rules. And I think other than that, oh, the game comes with uh, ten counters each for each player, which is basically your money in the game. Which I'm I'm I was confused about, but we'll we'll circle back to that. And then uh, the teetotum, which is a dice on dice. A, dice Do on we a know why they chose green? Like green is very prominent. Is there any? 
religious like you know implications uh, of choosing green or ver- I, I or not choosing this... another color for example like i think that i don't know green just seems like if if most of their primary colors are being used because i don't know what sort of printing press devices they had mm-hmm. you know off the top of my head but we do see a lot of garrett's right we see Almost all the people are in reds and blues yeah. and yellows and primary colors. So you need something that's going to be able to stand out pretty well against those. Green's a good choice, I I feel, mm-hmm. for to be able to stand out. You could do like a purple, I guess, or you could even do a... Um, I'm just wondering if there was some significance to the times. You know, I, I, I think different sects of Christianity have appointed, you know, color... Um, importance of colors to to different things and i i wouldn't pretend to know back in the 1800s yeah what, yeah. what was what, what george fox was thinking but uh, i will say some you know when i grew up in in vbs we had a little color bracelet and green represented um kind of your growth uh in in these morals so maybe huh, maybe it, it could be you know in in between these i'm times, just thinking you're, about you're felt. growing <laughs> you're growing to uh, become a more humble person i'm just thinking about felt like there's a lot of felt used in like not necessarily board games but like tabletop games like let's say pool or you know poker which is ironic because it's a gambling game but yeah just curious if there's some sort of reason why they chose green for this particular game um, yeah. of that time another thing i want to note that's kind of funny is that the, the mansion of happiness uh depicts a beautiful garden uh, with six women. Six women? Is that a pot? That, that might be a pot of plants. So five women. <laughs> five, uh, what I think might be beautiful women, but the faces are very indiscernible. Um, so that's the mansion of happiness, is that you get to live amongst... It's a Playboy mansion. Or those could be those could be your mini daughters, Jeff. I'm just throwing that out there. Could be your mini daughters. You have a nice full house. Uh, you got, you know, your, your family is big and happy and this is, this is what happiness is. This is your daughter. So, yeah. Uh, but if you, at that point, if you have no sons and what's the point of living, <laughs> my name dies with me. Oh God. That age, you know, yeah. Heaven, heaven right. means that my, my name lives on. So that's right. That's a lot of dowry. It's a very 1880s train of thought, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Like I, it's not like. The Mansion of Happiness isn't like any other religious depictions. It's just like, hey, here's just a bunch of women. Here's a bunch of... I think those are the streets of Pretty ladies. Yeah. Uh, That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. They know what you really want. They're just giving you a nice (laughs) little preview. Uh, So we have this... I think think with all all jokes aside, a very very pretty board. And I will say this also. I want to talk about the way that the tiles are laid out. Because we mentioned earlier how... You're rolling and you're going across this board and you land on a space. And if it's one of the virtues, generally you're going to be moving forward six spaces. Gives you a little reward, right? You're mm-hmm. humble. You get to move forward six spaces. That's awesome. Uh, closer to the mansions of uh, happiness. If you land on something bad, you have to usually go back to the punishment space. So I will say this. I have played many roll and move games. <laughs> it's your job. We actually, I don't know if you know this, listener. You're actually <laughs> listening to a podcast called Roll and Move. It's in the name right there. And in lots of those games, I will be, I will find myself in a situation where I land on a space. We'll call it a movement space, where you land on it and it instructs you to move forward two, three, four, five, or six spaces, whatever. 
And then you do that and you land on another movement space Move back that three. sends you back like two or three <laughs> or even the entire amount that you've gone. Like this has happened more than once yeah. with games that have been published well after like the 1980s, 1990s. That does not happen a single time. No combo breakers this in this game. There is no po- combo breakers. They spaced it out so that every time after you get a movement forward or a movement back, it's clean. It is very clean. And you 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 finish your extra movement, and then you start with the new dice roll. And from there, you know, if you roll poorly again, you could land on another space that sends you backwards. But there, I, I appreciated that. I appreciated that. Because I was wondering if that was going to happen. This is our first printed board game in, in the United States. So... For them to not make a mistake that I still being still see being made today, I think it's worth something. Yeah. I don't know. Shout out, know. shout out, George Fox, the OG roll and move guy that I uh, was able to finally figure it out. Yeah, I think like the only thing that uh, and I get it, like there's art it's only art here and they completely separated the instructions elsewhere. Um if you were to see a game made like this today, you would see it say like go back on it, like if you did like audacity go back six spaces or go back whatever spaces and then like each individual tile has the instructions i'm curious if you guys feel like that is a good or a bad thing like obviously the trade-off is you get more board real estate and you get to see the art which is awesome um but is it harder to understand or have to like reference back to because there's so many all these are semi-unique right so you have to go back and like oh what do i do now um and find that particular spot and Look, yeah. look on if a this list. is a modern game, I agree with you. I would like to see it on the space. I, I would like to see it on the space where it just says go back three spaces mm-hmm. or something like that without having to look at the rules. I think you're exactly right, though, as far as the cause as as the go. They probably just didn't have the real estate to put it on there. Or maybe it was just an earlier time and they figured, well, we got the rules. You got the rules right Yeah, there. why don't you or reference the rules? Yeah, why don't you just reference <clears> the rules? Yeah, people don't think about <laughs> ease of play. Convenience. Or, yeah, convenience back then. <laughs> If anything, during the Industrial Revolution, I do not think they were thinking about quality of life. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, I don't care. It's hard. <laughs> like, can you do it? Yes. Yes. Okay, we'll and do get it. to work, my son. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is one of the... That's one of the good things that this has going for it. The, uh, the bad thing is some of the rules and some of the situations are very, very <laughs> unclear. Uh, I think this is a good time now, Garrett, to fulfill that promise you made of circling mm-hmm. back and talking about the chips the chips the money, yeah so are. so the chips um so we've got a nice explanation of the game up here and i can i can read it. it's pretty quick this game can be played by any number of players uh who can conveniently sit around the table on which the sheet is placed and then uh, each individual will be furnished with 10 counters in addition an extra counter with the initial of his or her name or any other letter or number judge most proper for distinction uh Paying a fine of one, two, or three is meant so many counters, and by one or two months is meant the person must wait till the teetotum has passed round so many times. So you can kind of get a sense that uh, you know English has definitely evolved since you know two hundred plus years ago. Um, so, so there's a you know there's a little bit of um, trying to work back the object of the sentence into. Uh, what, which verb it is referring to. But yeah, so we have this this counter system. So everybody starts the game with 10 counters. And as you're kind of going throughout the throughout the board, um, you'll land on a space and it'll say, you know, return to prison and pay a fine of one, um, which is fine. 
but it doesn't really list like a uh, a rule of or like what happens if you run out of counters. You know, presumably if you run out of counters, you lose the game or something like that. But it, no, you just pay it. Um, it just seems kind of tacked on, or I don't know, maybe it's theming that they have just added for no real reason other than you know, not only not only are you going to jail, but you got to pay a fine. Not only uh, are you you know returning to the water to cool off from that hottiness, but you're you're gonna have to you know put a chip down. Uh, additionally, what I don't get is, what, additionally, what I don't get is, uh, you know, they're trying to break away from the gambling scene here, uh, and they're using, you know, chips, counters. It seems very, I, I don't know how, how far back we have to go to think about casinos using chips like this, but I, I imagine it's before this. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Yeah, I, I like, I, I am curious about what are you supposed to do at the point of, like, <laughs> or you no, run not. out of chips, right? Like, do, are they just like, well, you're too sinful to win the game anyway, so see ya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no uh, way you're winning. Yeah, yeah. I, like they, most of these people, you know, at this time aren't thinking about balance, right? Or these like corner cases that may or may not happen, game breaking mm. scenarios, right? They're just like, well, sorry, like play well, again. <laughs> well, you, you you talk about corner cases. They do have one very specific corner case set up here that I, I think Tom, you wanted me to read. Yeah, um, and I think yes. this really illustrates kind of the disconnect between modern English and what whoever wrote this was was working with here. So um, here we have rule 16 and it, this is basically referencing when um, you know you know sorry or trouble when you land on another player's space you, you send them back. Um, so this is this is that rule. When two persons come together, the last player must take possession of the place he comes to and pay one for so doing. The other person must return to the place from whence he came, and not pay one, except, first, when two come together and the last player is found guilty of an offense. He, after having paid his fine, must take the place of the former, without paying more. The other person must advance or return to the original place of the last player, and not pay any. Secondly, when two come together (laughs) at the house of correction or the prison and one is confined for a crime... In that case, as the last player cannot relieve the person confined, he must return to the place from whence he came and spin again. Should he spin as before, he must remain as he was. <laughs> as he uh, was. Yes. That's, uh, that's a little bit of a loaded... I like to imagine when you were reading the beginning part of that rule that we actually had come to a wedding and you were uh, like, read the first part. When two persons come together, (laughs) the last player must take possession of the place he comes to. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone has any dissent, speak now. Dissent. I dissent. Um, I just yeah, it, it's just like it, it's definitely you know a sign of the times. I it, it's really interesting to hear how I I would do wonder how many people play this game. Like, was this a popular game that people owned at the time? Well, obviously, it's like a luxury, so probably not. But yeah, no, actually, so um, this game, at least the second printing, was uh, intended for wealthy but common people. So I take that for what it's will, but uh, what you will. But according according to Wikipedia, it was printed the second edition. They specifically put it out for wealthy but common people. This is the so. 1880s Monopoly. Mm. Yeah, they they had like uh, a lot of gold was used uh, for the engraving. Um, it contained real gold and uh, you know watercoloring used to complete the game board. So it was a very expensive product. 
Oh, it looks great. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I love it. I do think this would be a cool piece, like on a wall yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Um, I actually did some looking into to see if this was actually the first published game. Um, and I think there might be some other board game that technically takes the cake. There's a game that was published in 1822, about 20 years before the Mansion of Happiness was so, published. So the Distinguished here, I, I believe, is commercially published. Yeah, uh, but that's subjective, right? Sure. <laughs> like, how do you <laughs> how do you define commercially published in an area era that's redefining industry? Wait, so what are you what are you reading? Uh, it it just says here the earliest known board game published in the U.S. was a simple map game called The Traveler's Tour Through the U.S. I think the reason why we don't hear more about that game is it sounds like there's not that many copies. Yeah, so, it, so according, like, according according here, it says the distinction of the first published American board game is awarded to the Traveler's Tour through the United States because printing of the game boards was more difficult in 1822 than 1843. The term mass market is a gray area. In 1822, reversed etched copper plates were used to print the game boards. So 2,000 impressions uh, could possibly may, be made where, as of 1843, 40,000 impressions could be mm. made at the time. So, there you go. <laughs> I, I think uh, probably it's much less circulated. Yeah, than, for sure. Uh, I, I, I hear there's only two copies the of distinct, uh, the Traveler's Tour. Art. The next game after that, just for people at home, uh, 1860, The Checkered Game of Life by Milton Bradley. I wonder if this has anything to do with the game of life that we know <laughs> of today. I think I think it does quite possibly, but uh, you know this and the game of life are sort of similar. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just trying to you're just trying to make it, trying to make it, just and uh, make not it. sin of not your own accord. Uh, one, I'm just trying to get to heaven, <laughs> and one, I'm trying to get rich. What is it? The uh, isn't it, isn't the uh, retirement center like the the pearly whites or something like? Yeah, that? that's like, true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically heaven. Um, and then one uh, one final note I wanted to note here on the legacy of the Mansion of Happiness. Uh, so it was published from 1800 to 1926. Uh, it is the longest continuously published board game with a known designer. So 126 years of continuous publication. Um, Chess, Go, and some others have been continuously published for longer, but the designer of those games is unknown. Yeah. So. Uh, George Fox, one of the what about, least well-known so game designers. At what designers. point is, you said 100-something years, 120 years? 126, yeah. When does a game like Monopoly take over? Uh, let's let's look it up. Do some when, quick quick head bath here. Quick number crunching here. A little beep, beep, boop, boop. <laughs> type, 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 type. It's an abacus. We have to use an abacus because we're in the 18-somethings. They might have some sort of mechanical calculator, though. Oh, Monopoly was 1933. So, so that's, yeah, it's pretty recent. About a hundred, yeah, not even a hundred years. So, and do we know the designer of Chaz B. Darrow? Darrow? Chaz. <laughs> Chaz. Chuck. Total. Total Chaz. Total Chaz. Uh, one one final thing we want to talk about is the end game. So, oh, we, oh that's right. This we've is a pioneer in other ways. Yeah, too. I, I think we have. Uh, we've we have I guess descended in this case past uh dice based purgatory. Or, yeah, we're now in teetotum based hell. This is this is what this is. So the end of the game, uh, you get towards the end space, and you know, um, dice based purgatory we've defined for a long time on the show. You have to roll the exact right number. So let's say you're you know 
two spots out. If you don't roll a two, you're not getting in. You roll a three, sorry, next person's turn. You just wait. Um, you just sit there waiting until you finally get the exact number you roll. This has a little modification here. So let's say you're uh, three spaces away from the Mansions of Happiness, and you roll a four. Okay, no problem. Uh, you go past it, and you take your next turn um, at... so. For context, um, the final space is spot 67. The seat of expectation is where you're sent to if you go past 67, uh, and that's space 60. So um, you, you know, you're on space 65, you roll a 3, you go back to space 60. All right, so you wait, wait a turn. Uh, let's say you advance, maybe you roll a 6 the next time, and you're up to 66, and you roll again. Oh, no, I've rolled a 2. Well, since you've already gone past 67 once, you have to, and I quote, begin the game. <laughs> I mean, you might be thinking, well, haven't I already been playing? What, I've already begun the game. I've already, uh, you know, did all these things. I've become a better human being. Let me, uh, let me, let me rephrase. Re-begin the game. Uh, start over. No, Try again. Go. Go, all the way back to the beginning. Go back to the first spot. Go back to the beginning. Which is a, this is the birth. This could quite possibly the, be the first instance. Recorded, published instance of Dice Base. This is Dice Base Purgatory, right? Mm-hmm. This is teetotum based hell. Because uh, you're not There's only no are you dice. not getting to heaven, but you're going you're going all the way back to hell. And just couldn't get it right, could you? Teetotum all you had to do. Hell. Yeah. I mean, just, it, it's like if shoots and ladders, if, and, and, there's the finish spot, but then every spot past the finish spot is just a shoot straight down to start. No. In our no, particular no, no, no. game, I was the first to attempt to get into the Mansion of Happiness. I overshot the first time. I got really nervous. And then the second time I rolled in. So freaking nailed it. Ended up being okay. But I I knew I read that rule. And I knew it was coming uh, that I might just be rage quitting early. <laughs> So I think that is uh, probably the most likely scenario where you start to run out of chips, and then we wouldn't have known what to do. So it was a you know merciful God uh, for letting Jeff get into heaven on his first. Yeah, day. again, I think that like what's interesting about this is that I think he recognized that this could be not fun, and so that he's like, oh, you can go back to the seat of expectation once, and then like, <laughs> you know, like do you think that if you if you allowed. To, if he allowed you to reset to seat of expectation every time, that would have been pretty decently balanced. Because I thought it was interesting. It was specifically meant to be seven mm. spots away, which is what do you what do you mean by balanced? I mean the game's inherently balanced, right? Because you just roll a die and do whatever. I mean you're not. Making yeah, I, I guess like what I'm saying is like, do we feel like it would have been a good, good trade off? Yeah, good design choice because it's um, still it's not you can't get there with one die roll, so you mm. still have to roll two dice. So it's still kind of interesting so thematically i don't quite get it i guess yeah i don't um, get i don't thematically i don't understand but as far as the stakes go i think it's great <laughs> i think it's awesome yeah. because um you know obviously you're not you're not putting on a wager on this game or anything like that uh mm-hmm. if, if george fox has anything to say about it so uh, a great way to kind of artificially raise the stakes is all right next try if you miss you're going back to the beginning buddy um so i, I like kind of like it from that standpoint but yeah thematically uh from a game design standpoint I, I don't really know what to what to think of it they think that if you got this far it was all a ruse and as your punishment <laughs> for pretending to be mm-hmm. pious is that you have to start <laughs> so, over yeah you're just you're a charlatan 
which is which is way worse than any, any of the other ones covered on the yeah. board. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if this affects your guys' scores for it because we have some. There's definitely some pros and cons, and I feel like we haven't had a game that we've done in recently where there really was a, a solid mixed bag here as far as things to consider. So I, I want to hear some scores from you guys. Uh, does anyone want to lead off as far as what? Do we want to read the board game geek reviews before? Do we have board game? We, geek we've reviews? got two. Yeah, we've got Please, one by all means. Yeah, we've got one from Grandhammer. Uh, he says it's very hard to rate this one as a game. It's miserable. One or two as a historical artifact, amazing. I recently saw an original of the Parker Brothers edition sitting on a table in a restored Victorian home. It fit its setting perfectly in the upstairs children's area, and it was easy to imagine kids being excited to play, even if it is random and totally lacking in decision points. We moderns are so spoiled. We moderns. <laughs> uh, and then we have, he gave it a five. Lord Goon gives it a four. He says, so this imbecilic roll and move game was supposed to teach pious frontier types about ethics, morals, and virtues. The only problem is what virtues and vices you end up having in 100% matter of luck. One minute you're a wash in humility, and the next you're a drunkard. Sort of undermines the message, you might think. It also seems to have been the case that the whole thing was more or less plagiarized from an earlier game that was only sold in England. Morals indeed. <laughs> was it plagiarized, or was I, it just reprinted? I think it was reprinted. I'm not. A, I'm, I could be missing something on the history Come here, on, but after Lord, dude. you know, my Come uh, on. my. I didn't Wicked, realize that Parker my, Brothers took this the rights over either. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, but I, those are the only two ratings. We do have a couple other comments. Um, one, one guy just says the first game ever published in the U S and another says in the book, great board games, any, uh, list a book that you can buy that gives a little bit more history on it. So that's all, that's all I got for you. Okay. Well, uh, let's go ahead and I'll, I'll jump into a rating first here. Um, I think that of Games that are strictly roll and move, this one played pretty well. I think that we're sort of blessed, in a way. Uh, we, we had a, a nice miracle in which Jeff was able to end the game before initiating a constant stream of disappointment where we would have to repeat the game and start it all over. So Merciful. we did not have to subject ourselves to that, so that could be giving me a little bit of a rose-tinted view of the game. Um, I don't by any means think that it's good. What I do <laughs> like is the art. I appreciate that the spaces are laid out in a way that where there is some sort of competence. I think that the rules are fun to funny to read. They're not very they're sort of confusing. But I almost prefer my rule my rules to be confusing because they're written in a Victorian tongue than if I'm reading a uh, manual that's, you know, like a Pandasaurus manual, and I just can't read it. Uh, I feel like, I feel like that there's a little bit more leeway here. Do I, do I think it's good? No. Do I think that it is, as the reader in Board Game Geek said, an artifact? Yes. I'm not sure if that's going to weigh too much on my score. I would probably give this, I did also really like the punishments. I like the idea <laughs> of, like, a whipping post and, like, you're a drunkard, you know. Throw him in the in the in the stocks, and that was kind of funny to me. We had we had a little bit of fun playing that. Um, and the instructions not to even think about happiness. There's some nice little touches in the in the rule rule book, where I they, I mean they're, they're they know they know like don't even think about happiness. They know <laughs> that like 
there's no way to enforce that. So I just I do like to imagine like this uh big, this industrial revolution person having a little bit of fun writing these rules. I'm gonna give this a four out of ten. Four. Nice. Um, I can go next. Yeah, I think on the point of uh people having fun with the rules, I almost wonder if that's the case. Like in today's day and age, we look at this and like, oh yeah, it's kind of funny to like put somebody you know in the pillory if they were um a perjurer or something like that but back then do you i wonder if they actually took it seriously and they're like oh no like <laughs> this is this is something that can actually happen to you you know so uh, because we can look at it with a with a different lens of like this is so this is like lampooned in a way for them it was real um not to say that they take the board game seriously thinking that they're going to go to jail but like you know do they look at it as if it's actually teaching a moral lesson um i don't know but i will say the art is incredible i I very much do like time period pieces when it comes to board games. I think like I asked about kind of the the selection of green and there's a lot of like tapestry type things on it. I'm I'm pretty fascinated that it was printed on silk. I think like this would be a really, really cool piece to hang up in any, you know, historical board game collector's room. I think it's really awesome. Uh, obviously, as Tom mentioned, it's like, you know, the predecessor to most roll and move games, whether it's like shoot, it's a very shoots and ladders esque. Um, but instead of visual cues, it's all written on a rule book separate from the board game, which in a lot of ways is worse for playability. But again, like I, I, I can't really take too many points away because I like that the fact that there wasn't too much text on the board itself because I like the art aspect of it. Um, yeah, I, I think if I were to give it a rating, um, I'd probably also give it a four. I, I, again, I think it's an awesome, awesome piece. I'm pretty impressed given that it's the first published board game in the US, how well it played. It's generally not broken. There are a couple instances where you could, I, I guess the only instance where you'd break the game is if you run out of money. But other than that, I think they did a pretty good job finding out, um, you know, different corner cases and situations that a player might get into. So yeah, overall, four out of 10. Okay. Um, I don't have much to add other than um, I wish there had been some decision points in this game as mm -hmm. far as, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I think you could have worked it in, like, take you know, taking a path. Um, I think that you could have easily, you know, taking the path of righteousness. There's a lot of decisions. If you chose to be pious, then your role <laughs> would have come out as such. Very fair. Very <laughs> fair. You got to you gotta be praying. So it, this is actually a prayer simulator um, or a, a prayer, you know, taking a look at how effective your prayer is. Um, I do, I think I, I you know, I, I agree with all y'all's points. I, I think uh, historically this is, you know, kind of a lot of fun to look back on. Um, but, you know, it, it's, I think even in the 1800s, you had a little bit more, you had a little bit more room to explore how to, how to write the, or, you know, make this so that there is some sort of gameplay. Um, and then I, also want to make a call out to the, I mean, I think for, as far as rules go, um, yeah, I don't have a ton of examples to draw on, but he, I think, you know, even with the chips, notwithstanding, um, he did a pretty decent job of kind of writing these out and kind of exploring, uh, what different things could happen. And also, you know, as Tom mentioned earlier, laying out the game board so that if you advance six spaces, you end on an empty spot and you don't have to follow more instructions or look anything else up. Um, and then I will also say that I think, um, though all those things are in the rules and you kind of have to reference those for the most part, the game is laid out so that like, uh, if you backtrack, you go to like the first 
bad spot that is behind you. So um, you could get a pretty decent sense of like, oh, I committed perjury. I go to the stocks because that's the first Mm -hmm. punishment spot behind me. Um, So all that being considered, I think if this game was not like if I took all if I stripped all the artwork out, if I stripped out the historical timing, you know, of this as a game, it's like basically not a game and I would give it a zero as like a historical piece. I'd say, you know, like this is a 10, like it's really cool. It's got, you know, gold lettering in it because only rich people can play it, but it's about, you know, morality. Um, so I kind of like love all that stuff. Um, and also that somehow this is supposed to teach children morals, um, by rolling not dice and (laughs) moving around the board and being punished for decisions you didn't make. Um, so I'm going to average out the zero and the 10 and I uh, give it a five. There it nice. is. Very good. What is that? What's our put our RDG average at? Uh, that puts the RDG average at a four point three three. Board Game Geek has two ratings on this, a uh, five and a four. So they're at a four point five. We're you know more or less in line with them. Uh, only point one seven away, which is one of our closer ratings. Uh, we're usually a little bit further away than BGG has mm-hmm. this, but you know, yeah. for what it's worth. We got yeah, it right. It's a uh, it's a very very interesting, very interesting artifact. If you do come across this, definitely play it. If you have tabletop sim, I would say give it a whirl on a uh, a, a drunken night with some, <laughs> some friends, or at least just look at. Not it. drunken. I think Tom. that's that's the not drunken. You have no, to go back next, at your next space. orgy. Yeah, at your next <laughs> at your next uh, I don't know uh, ritualistic uh, satanic sacrifice. <laughs> give give the game a play. Um, and you, you well, don't have to feel bad because you're not ripping anybody off at this point by playing it on Tabletop Simulator. I mean, I know that's that that's the place to play it, honestly, because you know, you play it for free, keeps you nice and humble, keeps you pious. Yeah, yeah. I I never feel more pious than when I'm booting up Tabletop Simulator. <laughs> Please yeah. don't go and look at our previous games right after I've said that. Um, especially not that one where you're being eaten. And I had to explain what Vor was. <laughs> yeah, but speaking speaking of, of Vor, one, don't go back and listen to that episode just for your own mental health. And two, if you're hungry for more content, if you're hungry for something uh-huh. else, if you want to consume something else that, uh, that, that, that we haven't produced yet, that we haven't actually turned into an episode on this wonderful podcast that you're listening to, you can make a suggestion to us. You can actually reach out to us and hit us up at Rough Draft Games on Twitter with a with a board game or something that you'd like to see us play. Maybe you've run across something pretty ridiculous on a Tabletop Simulator. Maybe it's another artifact. We'd be happy to play it for you. Just got to hit us up on at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. Maybe you got a nice note to send our way. Maybe thanking us for our courage or, or showing some gratitude for our humility. Uh, you can send us emails at roughdraftgames at gmail.com. We read each and every one of those and reply to all of them. Uh, whether it's, you know, you wanting to be a playtester for us, uh, or if you have those game recommendations like Tom mentioned, send them our way, roughdraftgames at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you are a chronic gambler and don't actually think that you uh, want to be pious today, why don't you come on down to our website, roughdraftgames.com, or check out our pre-order of All Rise on Backer Kit. We may or may not award you with a game. It is quite a gamble at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It's a gamble, so you got to roll them bones or spin that toot. Just put money down. We'll let you know if you guys get something, get a prize. Oh, yeah. It'll It'll be good. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's exciting that you mentioned uh, being a playtester here because we do have uh, two other games that were sort of in the that are in the development cycle, right? That's a vague enough term that people in the industry use, right? Yeah, it's in the development cycle. Can't and it's be nailed in. down on that. We are going to need playtesters at some point in the future for that, but uh, we're really excited. It's going to be two pretty fun concepts that hopefully are going to be able. To We'll see. Well, you know, we like to juggle plates over here at Rough Draft Games, and uh, hopefully they don't go crashing to the ground. But if they do, you'll never hear about it unless it's real. <laughs> I that was that. Those were the plates crashing to the ground, um, and that's it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>